So the Lord laid it on me. Sing, thank you for your blessings on me. Y'all help me sing it. We all have just as much to be thankful for tonight. As the world looks upon me as I struggle along, they say I have nothing, but they are so wrong. In my heart, I'm rejoicing how I wish they could see. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. Sing now, you know it. Cause there's a roof up above me. I've a good place to sleep. There's food on my table and shoes on my feet. You gave me your love, Lord, and your fine family. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. Before we sing the second one, there may be some of us in here that were just about this close to going under in 2020. We were just about this close. Many of us lost jobs. Many of us lost incomes. Many of us, uh, the, our health went down. Our health got taken away. We lost loved ones. We lost friends. We lost people that would be sitting here praising God tonight. But tonight, there's a group of people gathered under the house of God in Jesus' name that are ready to say thank you, ready to say worship. A lot of times, what separates those who just attend church and those who get to go to church, if you know what I mean, say amen. If we're about this close to getting to go to church, if we would just say, thank you, Lord. If we just say, thank you, it, it, the, the abundance of his mercy would start overflowing. We might just go to church tonight. Let's sing that second verse. Y'all help me sing it. Y'all know the song. It says this. Well, I know I'm not wealthy. These clothes, they're not new. I don't have much money, but Lord, I have you. And to me, that's all that matters, though the world may not see. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. Sing that second again now. Cause I know I'm not wealthy And these clothes, they're not new And I don't have much money But Lord, I have you And to me, that's all that matters Though the world may not see Thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. Sing it, there's a roof, cause there's a roof. I've a good place to sleep. There's food on my table and shoes on my feet. 
You gave me your love, Lord. That's them singing. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. There's a roof up above me. I've a good place to sleep. There's food on my table and shoes on my feet. You gave me your love, Lord, and a fine family. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. That last line. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. And when we've been there, Ten thousand years bright shining as the sun we've no less days to sing than when we first begun. Amen. Thank you for singing, Pastor. He's the one 
I can depend on I couldn't make it Without Jesus What would I do? When I need someone to talk to He's always there to listen With arms folded tightly He rocks me in His bosom What would I do without Jesus? The shepherd of my valley I couldn't make it without Jesus, what would I do? I couldn't make it without Jesus, what would I do? That was good, amen. I appreciate everyone who works so hard. I came out of my office and I thought I was going to track down Priscilla and uh, tell her appreciate all she does. She does uh, things all the time, and uh, and then then the then the list goes on and on. And you think, man, I got to just thank everybody because you have so many people that make our church service possible. Those that come in and turn the air conditioning on, you know, have to sometimes drive over here. I appreciate that, and and just everything. Everything that everyone does with the sound and preparation and Bryce puts the program together. And so I just want to tell you all I appreciate each and every one of you. We're looking at Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31. And I will also read from Deuteronomy 32. You probably won't have time to get over there. But we'll read Isaiah 40, 31 and Deuteronomy 32, 11. So when you find Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 31, we'll stand and read this together. Great passage of Scripture, and every one of you have read this. And remember, at some point in your life, reading this great verse. In verse 30, it said, Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fall. So the context is, you know... It's difficult during, during difficult times in our life, you know, and, and uh, to, to, to be able to cope. But look what it says, talking about people falling. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not be faint. But they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run, not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Deuteronomy 32, 11. As an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings. Let's pray. God bless us as we take a look in the book for a walk in the world. Lord, I just pray you'll speak to hearts. I only know how to teach and preach your word to the best of my ability, but you know how to deal with each and every one of us. So I just pray you'll speak to hearts. We thank you for this wonderful place we can come and worship. Please bless us now. Please bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Eagles are mentioned 32 times in the Bible. They're carnivorous. You know, they're meat eaters. 
So they're listed as dirty because you can't eat an eagle. But they're in scripture used several times as an example of being conquerors. And you know, we're more than conquerors. The Bible says we're overcomers because of Jesus Christ, our Lord. We're more than conquerors and we're, we're to be like the evil. eagle. They're presented as conquerors. They're one of, four of, one of the four beasts around the throne in heaven. We know they're presented throughout Scripture. They represent powerful nations prophetically. And they're also compared many times to believers. Several things to think about with eagles. They have a 30-year lifespan. They have a wingspan up to eight feet wide. Females are larger than males, weighing close to 20 pounds. Their nests weigh tons, two tons. Some of them have been found to weigh three tons. They use the same nest over and over. They can see six times better than people and can see a rabbit from two to three miles away. They have special lenses in their eyes to protect them when they fly towards the sun to escape predators. They are full size between 10 to 15 weeks. So that young, they're already full size. And they maintain that full size throughout their life. Uh, they, they keep the same mate for life. It's a good example, isn't it? And they lay one to three eggs when they lay eggs, one to three, and uh, brood over that nest, protect their young, feed their young. They're just faithful in everything they do. And we're compared to them, and, and they're considered conquerors when you think of the eagle, the greatest bird. I mean, they're just something else. Um, I, I like what Scripture says about families, so much about the home, so much about families, and we're going to do, do some things today where we take the eagle and we'll show you some verses and we're just going to use the eagle as a type of a victorious Christian. You know, eagles work very hard to feed the young eaglets, both mother and father, continually working to feed them. 1 Timothy 5, 8 says, but if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. So what does the Bible teach us? Like the eagle, we are to provide for our own. It's not the government's job. It's not the food kitchen's job. It's the job of the what? Parents. And the eagle's a great example of that, of providing for her own. Then we know they can fly. They'll fly up to 30 miles per hour and can dive at speeds of 150 miles an hour after prey. Just think of that. They're diving 150 miles an hour. Deuteronomy 28 says this, The Lord shall bring a nation against thee from afar and from the end of the earth as swift as an eagle. God said, Israel, just like an eagle can fly so fast, a nation's coming to destroy you because of your sin. And so the swiftness of an eagle, the fact that they can fly like that, used in Scripture as an example of speed. They can glide. 90% of their flight is gliding 90% of the time because they yield to the wind. Now they can glide even up to 100 miles an hour just gliding with the wind. And the only thing I could think of that would fit that is how when we yield to the Holy Spirit, we can do supernatural things. I'm not saying that you're an apostle raising dead people, but I'm saying this, when we yield to God, you know, if our church totally yields to God, we'll be like an eagle, we'll be conquerors. If as individuals we yield to God, we'll be conquerors. If we want God to bless our church, yield to him. 
It's all about obedience. It says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. We need to yield to the Lord so we can have the power and the speed of an eagle. They prefer fresh meat. And the parallel we can draw in that is Hebrews 5 says, For when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again. The first principles of the oracles of God. And ye are become as such that have need of milk, not strong meat. For he that uses milk is unskillful in the word. Goes on to say he's a babe, but strong meat belong to them that are of a full age. Even those by reason who use their senses exercise to discern both good and evil. You know what? There's a lot of Christians that aren't ready for the meat of the word of God. And I hope you are. But if we're not and we can't handle the meat, we have to go back to the milk. And I like what Paul says in Hebrews. He says that sometimes you have someone to have to come and spoon feed you. And I'm paraphrasing. He said, it's time for you that have been sitting and learning and being taught to step up and teach others. And, and, and sometimes, truthfully, I have never found a church where the church did not have people who just couldn't handle the meat of the word. They got offended. They got hurt. And, and, and weaker Christians have a hard time with meat. And, and sometimes we have to go back and maybe share some of the milk of the word. Something simple because people aren't ready for it. And he said strong meat belongs to them that are of a full age. And so the eagle was a meat eater and could handle meat. And we need to be strong enough. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, 2, I fed you with milk and not with meat. Not with meat because you weren't able to bear it. Meaning you weren't able to handle it. And so while we want and we love the meat, the meat of the word, we need to listen and be obedient to the meat of the word and not just hear, but be doers of it. First Corinthians 10, 3, 3 says, and they did all eat of that same spiritual meat. And that, of course, we as a reference to going back to the Old Testament. And remember, again, Isaiah 40, 31, which said, but they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. So here is this eagle. They have extremely strong talons, able to break an animal's spine. And they'll swoop down and grab a young animal and just break, crush its spine. A while back, we had an owl come down and get our little dog. A little, we have a little sort of half chihuahua, half mini pincher. And we found holes in its side. We saw this big owl around the yard with a big wingspan. I thought, boy, they have strong talons. A bird that weighs two to three pounds can kill an animal much larger by snapping its spine. And, and the eagle is very powerful. Uh, years ago in Panama, an eagle swooped down and they had a video of it, swooped through the trees in the jungle and grabbed a sloth right off the branch and just kept on flying, carrying that sloth. I was like, what an awesome thing to see. They're super strong. And of course, you know, in, in America, we consider the eagle a great bird and symbolic bird. But they're, they're very, very strong. As I said, they can break an, an animal's spine in flight. And we read verse 31. It says, they shall run and not be weary and walk and faint not. It says, it talks about renewing strength. They're so strong and, and just a small creature. And we need to be strong like the eagle and swift, to, quick, to, quick to praise God. And, you know, quick to, to be encourage, encouraging to others. We need to be slow to criticize and quick to encourage. And, uh, you know, I remember having a boss, and I used to hate this expression, but I've heard it other times since then. He'd say, God gave you two ears and one mouth. Shut up and listen. He'd say it to everybody that worked there. 
And I thought I'd like to shut him up. But yeah, yeah. I remember though, I didn't like the guy. He was a German guy, no offense to Germans, but he had come as a second generation from Germany, still spoke German. We called him the sauerkraut. That wasn't nice. That was his nickname from our perspective. But he'd always talk about God gave you. And then he'd swear in the next sentence. So he didn't know anything about God, but he did know. He was right about one thing. We have two ears. Oh, if we'd listen more, we'd be so much better. Eagles have a great sense of direction. In Proverbs 30, 18 says, there's several things that are too wonderful for me, four of which I don't know. And one of the four, he says, is the, is the uh, way of an eagle in the air. We really don't know what the eagle's up to. He's just flying around, sometimes in circles, sometimes, you know, in a figure eight. And he's just flying around and we just look up and think, boy, look at that eagle, isn't that beautiful? We don't have an idea what he's up to. And that's what Solomon said in Proverbs. We don't know what he's doing. That's one of the things we don't know. We don't know what an eagle's up to. But we do know they, they know what they're up to. They know where they're going. I like 1 John 5, 13. These things have I written unto you that you may know. People who don't study the Bible enough need to understand that if they dive in, stay in the word, they'll not doubt their salvation. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word. And that eagle knows where it's going, knows what to do. And it's like a believer ought to be. And again, so many comparisons in scripture. Um, then, then we know that they can carry a third of their body weight in flight. Uh, we know that their nest is very high. Uh, Jeremiah talks about the high nest. It talks about they dwell us in the cleft of the rocks. Obadiah says your nest is up there like the eagles. Job 39 says that the eagle mount up at thy commandment and make her nest on high. We know their nests are way up there. On the top, you go out west in some of those mountains and, and there's an eagle's nest way up there. And uh, some of them nest in trees. And it's amazing uh, in South Dakota even, you know, you wonder where are these eagles? And you, you find they find an elevated place somewhere to have a nest. Trees, the tallest tree they can find. There's not a lot of trees in South Dakota, but there's eagles there. They make way. They're, they're conquerors. They're victorious. Um, they have over 1,200 feathers on each wing. They have eight primary feathers and four secondary feathers. Ezekiel says in chapter 17, says there was also another great eagle with great wings and many feathers. And of course, God knew all about that when he created this bird as a conqueror. And again, again, a type of being a conqueror. I mean, I like Deuteronomy 32.11, which says they help their young to fly by creating. Let me read 32.11. I'm reading something else. It says in 32.11, as an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over young, spreadeth broader wings, taketh them, beareth them on their wings. You know what an eagle does? What an eagle does is take its young and it puts it on its wings and they'll go out and fly. And one guy said, one eagle expert said they kind of drop their eagles and let them go down a ways and they swoop down there and just catch them. But they stir the nest up, make the nest uncomfortable so that the eagle, you know, will, will the eaglet will get uncomfortable and it won't be great to stay in the nest. It'll have a desire to get out. What principle could we learn from that? You ever know somebody who's 40 years old or still living at home? Because mom or dad never kicked them in the backside and said, get out and get a job, get to work, and get out on your own. Hey, now, 
I don't know who has someone living at home with them, but I may have embarrassed somebody here. But I didn't know. But yeah, the truth is, um, you know, my dad, he, he was a tough guy, and he made all of us boys especially become independent. I left home at 19 and never returned. You know, it, 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 it's, I said goodbye, came down here to college, never had any help with college. My dad taught us that we had to be men. And that if we got married, we had to take care of our families. We had to work hard to pay our own bills. He's never bailed us out. All of us knew that if things got tough, we just had to get another job. When I first came to this church 15 years ago, I was teaching 12 hours of classes a week. That means I was lecturing 12 times. Speaking once in a while at a businessman center, speaking here three times a week, managing the mission office in the afternoons. And on Saturday, you know what I did on that day off? I cut me 12 hours for Bilo in Rossville for Phil Daniel. And I remember that I would get called in and they'd say, you didn't clock out for lunch. And I'd say, I didn't have time. I'd get there early, cut all the meat, clean up the market, wait on customer stack, do all this stuff. Why did I do that? Because I didn't want to borrow for college. My kids, I wanted to pay for their books. I didn't want to go in debt. And I wanted to get it done. I wanted to get it done. And I knew it would take me working and doing several things. And this week, the board said to me, well, how are you going to do all the stuff you do? I said, I don't know, but <laughs> I've been doing working like this for years. And God's always blessed. You know, I just believe that we ought to teach our kids to be leaders, to lead homes. And you don't teach them anything by handouts and give them a free ride. I'm thankful. I have four sons. I've never loaned any of them money in their life. Never. You can ask them. And, you know, when they got married, it's a good luck, son. If you need help, call me. I'll pray. That's it. They know. When rent's due, it's on them. It's not on their wife. Now, if they have that virtuous wife that wants to work and cook and do that, that's wonderful. And the word virtuous means industrious. It doesn't just mean morally pure. It includes a lot of things, Proverbs 31. But if they had that kind of wife, great. And I have four of the greatest daughter-in-laws you could have. But my four sons have always worked. They've always worked. They've always understood that. My dad taught me that. My grandfather taught him that. My grandfather died at 56. My dad was with two sisters. And a, and a sick mom who had cancer. And he had to go and work at that second-hand store until those girls got married. And his mother passed away before my dad could launch out on his own. And there were times my dad was kind of bitter about how hard he had it. And we'd have to say, but Dad, look, your sisters respect you. And God blessed you. You know, with your kids are good, with the exception of me. But he was blessed with good kids and, and so blessed with family. But my dad just, I remember him taking a sledgehammer and we had to replace our driveway. And I wouldn't do this, but he took a sledgehammer and broke up the whole driveway, loaded these chunks in a wheelbarrow and went back in the woods and dug a hole and he would dump this in and cover it up. I thought, there's no way today I would do that. He was in his 40s. I've worked hard, but my dad worked harder. My grandfathers both worked hard. And so the, the eagle is a great example, isn't it? Could you imagine if the eagle acted like a person? Well, I don't feel like feeding the eaglets today. I wonder if I can get some help. 
I wonder if there's a soup kitchen I can swoop, swoop down and just grab, steal something or get, and feed the eaglets. Are you kidding me? That eagle wakes up in the morning and thinks, I got to go get food. And he starts looking for food. We are supposed to feed our families and work hard. But they make the nest uncomfortable. And I thought that's interesting. That forces the babies to fly. Forces them to learn to be on their own. And that's just so good. I, I know that I have so many friends, and you do too, who don't make the nest uncomfortable for the kids. They make it too comfortable. Who'd want to leave home when mom and dad pay for everything and provide everything, you know? Um, your kid then becomes a burden. And we, don't we see that all the time today? And I would imagine in our church we have it. We have it in every church. And we need to teach our kids, especially our sons, to man up. To man up. And at times it may mean make the nest uncomfortable. Um, and it's interesting, we talked about how they take their, their young and they have them on their wings and drop them. I was reading about, you know, they, they create an updraft with their wings to lift their little eaglets up. While they're trying to fly, they kind of help them by swirling around and throwing wind up. And the little eaglets get more confidence and more confidence. And I mean, you just see eagles and how great they can fly. They've been taught by their parents. I also like the fact that they can fly towards the sun to escape a multitude of, or a multitude of birds attacking them. That's the thing the eagle can do. It's got a special lens in its eye. It'll bring that lens down. It'll fly right towards the sun. And the predators, which have to have several to gang up on them, they'll chase that eagle, and that eagle will just rise above them. They're just conquerors. Just fly right straight up towards the sun, and the other birds just leave them alone. And that's so cool to me. Proverbs 23, 5 says, Hast thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For it says, talks about certainty, make, make themselves fly. They fly away as the eagle towards heaven. The Bible knew all about the eagle, how the eagle flies to heaven. I just thought that's neat. Other things about the eagle, and uh, I know that you may not be uh, too crazy about bird mess, but, uh, and I'm not going into bird mess, but just birds, they rise, I don't know why I said that, they rise above the storms as overcomers. 1 John 4, 4 says, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Just like that eagle, we have to be overcomers. We have to be overcomers. We can't whine about everything in our life. We can share with someone, I need prayer. But to constantly go on and on and on and on about it, doesn't help you. Doesn't help you. And we have to be tough. Um, I, I know, you know, you don't learn much from a football coach, but you learn to be tough. <laughs> and I remember in high school, I broke my arm and, and I came out. Oh, it was hurting. I knew something was bad wrong. And the coach said, tape it up, doc. And the doctor taped it up. Get back in there, Mal. And I'm out there and I'm trying to tackle people with one arm. The next day, I, I, that night I got home, my dad said, oh, just sleep on it. We'll figure it out in the morning. And, oh, all night it hurt. We didn't have all the, t we didn't go to the ER back in those days like that. I went to the dentist once when I was 18, and boy, he had a lot of work to do in my mouth. But I remember that arm, and the next day I woke up, oh, it was hurting all day, I, just terrible pain. So my dad said, well, let's go to the doctor. You're going to whine about it, we'll go to the doctor. So I went to the doctor, and he said, yeah, you got a broken arm. 
my dad felt real bad. So bad that he said, you okay, son? That was it. So bad he felt. He made a man out of me, though, didn't he? Huh? And, and I've tried to do that with my kids, and uh, I'm glad. And my daughter-in-laws have all made comments to me. I know Sarah commented on what a good man Jeremy is. Victoria said, you have good sons. All four of my daughter-in-laws, and that's so rewarding. But it wasn't easy <laughs> to give him a kick sometimes. <laughs> Jeremy had a broken foot in a soccer game, and he came out. And we, we, my wife said more than I did about, get back in there. You don't know there's anything wrong with your toe. And it was fractured, man. He had a boot for 10 weeks. But we just taught them in, in, in life, you know, studying for a test. They can make up excuses. But sometimes you have three tests. You just got to tough it out. Take three tests. Study all you can in school. And what you do is you just push your kids, but then you reward them. Let them know how they're going to feel when it's all said and done. There's nothing like working hard and feeling that sense of satisfaction. I still get it even when I cut the grass. I get done cutting the grass and I think, I'm glad I did that. It looks good. Yeah, it's a feeling of accomplishment. And it's called self-esteem. And we help our children by making them work hard to build self-esteem in them. And if you give them everything and you, I had one child, I won't say who, but I had to go to school quite a bit and talk about how my child wasn't performing so well. And I sometimes wanted to defend my child and say, you know, are you being too hard? I never said that. I always sided with the teacher. Went home and said to my child, teacher said, you're not giving it all. You got to get with the program. And it's hard to do as a parent. My kids all played sports, and the thing I hated most, I coached quite a few years in Panama, and one time in Okinawa, a little bit mostly in Panama when they were little, and I always, dealing with parents is the hardest thing about coaching. And, you know, well, you know, you pulled my son out in the game and embarrassed him. And I would, as nice as I could say, and I started coaching my kids when I was like 30, you know, maybe in my late 20s. It's hard to say to a parent, well, if your child did what they were told, they wouldn't have been pulled out of the game. But even when you get involved in, in sports and you side with your children against the coach, you're harming them. And being a good parent means to stand with the authorities in the world, tell your kids they're wrong. You know what's wrong with our country today? It's the policemen that are all wrong. Yeah. We know there's some bad policemen. We know they make mistakes. But, but I don't want to talk about that because if our kids were taught to obey those people in authority, principalities and powers, Scripture says obey them, we'd have far less problems. I'm not excusing a bad cop, but I sure ain't excusing a bad kid. As mom and dad constantly fighting for their kids. I have seen so many times where someone's caught and they even have video camera and you watch the shows and you know it, the news, you've seen it. And their mama says, oh, not my child. And you're watching the video of the child doing it and they're convicted. Oh, he, they were framed. And you're like, the reason your child's going to jail is because you were that way as a parent, excusing their behavior. If when they were two, you'd worn them out. When they were three, that'd have been a lot easier. 
Jeremy, my oldest, he's on the reservation. I remember when he was a kid, this has nothing to do with eagles, by the way, but he spilled a big bowl of popcorn at Papa's house all over the floor. And we were young parents and we said, clean it up. And he did one of these deals. So he got a spanking. And we said, now clean it up. He's crying. He wouldn't clean it up. We spanked him again. And that number has grown. I mean, the story's grown. Maybe we spanked him 10 times with the stories up to like 50 or something. But I remember, I do remember being tearful as I had to spank him again and spank him again. And I remember how much it hurt me to spank him. And I do know what the expression is going to hurt you a lot more or hurt me a lot more than you. I, I know that, what that expression means because it was killing me to spank him again, to spank him again. He finally picked up the pop form, but both, both parents were crying because we just wore his little backside out. I had another son named Zach, and he was my middle child. He was the most challenging. I got called in as a professor over in high school because he did something. And I remember when he got married and he's serving the Lord, he loves, he's just a good guy now. And I, one time I was with him and I said, I want to talk to someone. I apologize to you for spanking you so much. There were days I spanked him five times. We had this bed in Okinawa, and it had the window that uh, was right next to his bed, so he'd climb out the window at night and go play outside. I mean, at dark. And I'd go out and find him and wear him out and put him in bed, and don't you go out again? He'd go out again. And I mean, I wore him out. Sometimes three times that night he'd go out, and I'd spank him and put him to bed. And he was a mischievous kid. So Daniel falls asleep, and Zach began to, he's kind of a comical kid, too. So he gets in this closet up in the top and hides and he opens that window. So I come in the fourth time, I'm ready to kill. That window's open, he's not in his bed and I shut that window and lock it and I go outside and I look. And, I, and Okinawa's hot, like here. And I look and I look and I was just so mad. Where is he? Then I started to worry. Where is he? And I come back in, he's laying in bed, just acting like he's asleep. I said, all right, Buster, what'd you do? And he just laughed, said, I was in that closet right there. You know, what do you do? I mean, but, you know, he said to me, Dad, I deserved every spanking I ever got. I've never, ever resented it. You know, you can spank your kids all you need to if you don't get angry and yell at them and, you know, handle them in the wrong way. And there's times I spanked them in anger. But the eagle teaches their young to... Fly, And when that young bird's hundreds of feet up in the air, that's tough duty. But they teach him. I was also reading something interesting about the eagle. They have a time of depression in their life. And you know what? We're late, aren't we? Well, five minutes. This is 6.02. You'll do that on purpose. That's usually not on. But I got you. You're seven minutes fast here. Okay. Um, Listen to this. I'm going to read this. The molting process. The eagle is the most majestic bird in the sky. But sometimes... In the lives of eagles, they have a time where they molt. They have a great time of depression. They go down into the wilderness. And, uh, and they're about 30 years old, getting, getting old, and they begin to lose feathers. They break their claws. They begin to struggle flying. They don't have any strength to fly. And they go down to the ground, and they, they're in a valley. They have a calcium buildup on their nose, breathing holes, and they're trying to rub it off on the rock. And they're really struggling. They lose the desire to eat. They, if there's two of them, they'll begin to attack one another. Um, it's called a molting stage. 
And what happens is amazingly, they said other eagles will come down and bring them meat. Isn't that something? And they'll feed that eagle fresh meat to give it strength so that it can recover and soar back up into the sky. I thought that's so cool. And I was at the prayer breakfast yesterday. I shared just a small passage in Galatians. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And then it goes on to say, bear you one of those burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And I really went fast. The word burdens, we get our word burrow from that, to bear burdens. The burrow, you know, it carries burdens. And I talked about that. But one word I didn't talk about, but I wanted to say for tonight, this matter of restore, restore such a one. We're supposed to do like the eagle does. When someone's weak, give them strength. Restore them. That word restore is translated several ways in your Bible. One place it's translated when they mended the nets. The same Greek, was, you, Greek word is used to mend the nets as restore. You know, don't tear the nets worse. Restore them. And when someone's overtaken in a fall, we are to confront them and we are to restore them. And I think of the eagle. How these other eagles come down and restore them. They come down there and they say, you know, you shouldn't be down here depressed. We're going to bring you meat. You better get your act together so you can get up off the ground or some predators will come along and kill you. Now, they don't talk. But, you know, we, we ought to do that with our kids. You know, they become weak and other eagles feed them. I like Romans 15.1. We that are strong ought to be able to bear the infirmities of the weak. Sometimes people are just weaker than you are in some area. Did you know that each of you have a strength where I may have a weakness? Did you know each of you have a strength where someone else in the church is not as strong as you? You may not know what it is, but you have a spiritual gift. You have strengths. You have things about you that can benefit other people. Whether it be a skill you have, a talent you have, or a spiritual gift, you can help other people. But if they stay on the ground too long, what happens to that eagle? Well, 1 John 2, 15, love not the world, neither the things of the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And they need to eat strong meat to get back. I like Psalm 119, 28. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen me now according to thy word. And what do we need to get strength? The meat of the word of God. Psalm 119. And so we learn so much from that eagle. Why it's such a conqueror. Because it eats meat. Get in the meat. It soars above trouble. Enemies can't bring it down. It just keeps flying towards the sun. You know, I think about our little church, wonderful little church we have. I stand up here with liberty and I just feel the spirit and I, I know I teach a lot. I don't always preach hard, but I know I always feel like the Lord's here with us, blessing us. But I know the enemy is going to raise his head one of these days. I don't know what he's up to, but he won't let you go too long without creating some sort of issue. And if we keep our eyes on the Lord and just head straight for heaven, set your affection, not on things of the earth, but on things above. You know what will happen when the devil raises his head? We'll just rise above it. We'll all realize what it is. And we'll say those two people need to get together and forgive each other and end this problem. Or we need to trust God with this problem. 
Because God is still our Father. He's still in control. He's still on the throne. So we learn from that eagle. And we learn from that eagle how that when it's weak, other eagles come along and help it. Don't you think it's time to help someone in the church that needs encouragement and help? I know each week I call. You you know, because I call you and I visit. This week I think I visited four, maybe four families this week in our church. Why? Because I know they need encouragement. I know they, sometimes they have questions. Sometimes I just want to let them know I appreciate them coming. And I call people. Why? Why do I call people? To encourage them. Just think what it would be like if we all called people. Now, I know you say, well, it's my job. But actually, I don't want to beg to differ with you. It is my job, but it's also your job, Right? Do you know there's not anything that any, anything other, other than feeding the sheep, that's my responsibility. Other than that, everything a pastor is supposed to do, every Christian is supposed to do. You can't find something where it says, Brother Dan, you have to do this, but we don't. You won't find anything like that. Pastors should encourage and people should encourage. Pastors should pray and people should and right down the list, you go throughout the Bible. So let's, let's do what we talked about this morning again. Let's be like the eagle when we have our strength to be like him. When we're discouraged, someone will help us. But when we know others that are discouraged, help them. Be good parents and all these things we learn from the eagle tonight. The eagle is a great teacher, right? And that's why it's a great bird. And that's why our country recognizes its greatness And so does the Bible. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. For all those 32 verses on eagles, Lord, and how we can learn from your creatures. And I pray, Lord, we'll mount up with wings like eagles and rise above the storms and and just head towards you and come straight to you when the prey, the enemy's after us. And Lord, to teach our kids to be dependent on you in hard work and not on uh, government and, and just learning to work the system board, but to be hard, hard workers for you. And, and Lord, I, I know that our parents want to be good parents and our grandparents want to be good grandparents. It doesn't always mean to spoil our kids. And I'm the worst with our grandchildren, Lord, but help me to also teach them the benefit of hard work. And for all of us to remember the meat of the word is what gives us strength. Bless us, Lord. Thank you for our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.